0: This is Chris Carlson, and welcome to this episode of the DI Guys podcast. As always, I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, Mike Cogdall. Mike, what is going on in the Panhandle of Florida today?
1: Chris, good morning. Um, Absolutely gorgeous here today. I mean, I think we've had the best – yesterday was the best day of the year by far. Um, 71 and sunny without a cloud in the sky is kind of the way I like it. It's one of the reasons I moved here. And on a side note, um, we'll have the same thing again today. It's – shout out to my – 13-year-old daughter, Lulu, because today's her 13th birthday, officially a teenager, so God help me with a 13- and 15-year-old teenage girls. And yesterday, as I said, you never have the crystal ball, and you've heard me say it a thousand times, I had the opportunity to play golf with a friend of mine that I grew up with in Algona, Iowa. Um, quickly, I won't spend 15 minutes on this, but we realized we hadn't seen each other since um, I was playing basketball in junior college, and he came to see me in 1979. So we went from 79 to... Uh, 2024, before we reconnected, we went to high school together and uh, it was totally by accident. We played at my golf course, or well, not mine, but where I'm a member because a friend of a friend. And it's a long story, but it was uh, really fun to catch up with somebody you haven't seen in that amount of time. It just, boy, life experiences for everybody. He's lived one place for 33 years and I had to. Tell him that, you know, he goes, where have you lived? And I go, well, I counted it up on the way here to admit you'd ask. And I won't go through all of them. But uh, I've actually lived in uh, 16 different places since I graduated from high school. So we don't exactly have the same path in life that we've taken. And he's got kids, grandkids, almost as old as uh, my two children. So pretty fun to catch up. With that, let's talk about some disability this morning.
0: Wait a minute, Mike. I got to ask you a question. He had to have been shocked when he remembered you in JUCO Mike Cogdall with the Afro to Mike Cogdal with no hair today.
1: It gets better. Steve Lensing was the guy's name and, or is the guy's name, excuse me. And he actually had naturally curly hair Afro. Mine was fake. And so he tripped out because now he just got like half inch hair and I got none. So, <laughs> you know, father time did its job. <laughs> so he was pretty shocked.
0: Yeah. So, so Mike, most people haven't seen that picture of you with that, uh, that amazing head of hair. Back in the day, all they can remember is guys like you and me with no hair, but uh, we'll have to bring that picture out sometime.
1: And, uh, Chris, you know why I had that hair is because I went to a Catholic school and you couldn't have hair on your neck or your collar and you couldn't have hair on your ears. So my dad being a state trooper was really adamant about it. So I went to the lady at the beauty salon and got a permit, So I just made a big fro. So it was off my ears and not on my collar. <laughs>
0: Only my cargo could think of something like that. Well, Mike, will you introduce our special guest today?
1: Sure. Kurt, I'm going to use your last name wrong, so I'll let you finish that one, because I always do, Um, because I just call you Kurt Clay's guy, and that's not it. But Kurt is a young man I had the pleasure to meet um, as he started in the business, and I'm going to let Kurt tell how he got in the business, because I think it's a rather interesting story and what he's doing today. um, he, He resides in Nashville, Tennessee, or at least in the surrounding area. A fine young man, and once again, um, as we go forward with these podcasts, we got a guy that's a heck of a lot younger than Chris and I, and I'm just excited to have Kurt. So, Kurt, with that um, and this little quick introduction, and he's also a rock star, uh, meaning that he's really passionate about this business, very involved in this business, and he can tell you the rest. But, Kurt, without any further ado, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, and we'll start with the first question is, how the heck did you get in the individual disability insurance business?
2: Well thank you Mike for that and some clarification on that last name it is Bronmire uh some some like to enunciate the d some like, the, like to enunciate the n but i think it all flows together as Bronmire um but first off before we get started Chris and Mike man it truly is an honor to be on this podcast with you all today um if you if you would have told me 5 years ago when i first got into this business i'd be on the di guys podcast talking with two icons in this industry, I would have laughed at you. But it truly is an honor. And so thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing your platform with us and obviously speaking on this this, this industry that I've come to love and become so passionate about. The Kurt story, I guess we can call it. Uh, like Mike said, lifetime resident of Nashville, Tennessee, um, I began my career in sports medicine and physical therapy before transitioning into my role as a disability income protection specialist. Now, before people are like each well, tr- transition out of the clinic to sell insurance. Now, before we get into that story, uh, it, it's funny because I, I got that all the time when I got out there like, man, you got you got out of the clinic, a good occupation to, to sell insurance. And it's funny because I'd always laugh and say, yeah, I got out of the clinic to make sure your life doesn't get screwed up for an injury that I used to treat you for (laughs) and so and so real quick so obviously how I got started into the business um so yeah so I was in the clinic for the most part of my life I always told myself very involved with athletics at a young age and told myself obviously if I couldn't be around if I couldn't play the sports, I wanted to be involved and wanted to, to be around them. So obviously that's what spiked my interest into the sports medicine realm as an athletic trainer and a physical therapist. Um, And so obviously love that career. I mean, it, it was, I love going to work every day and helping people over overcome that adversity. And so at the time I was, I was kind of looking for a change, right? I, I started to have a family at home and I, and I felt like I was missing out on so much. And so, in the later part of my my first career I was I was I started to, to kind of see what options were out there and at the time I had two medical device companies looking at me and I was getting ready to uh obviously make that move until somebody one of my patients came in and um I believe you guys know him really well uh I was actually stretching his shoulder and we started talking and um obviously he was at the time looking for somebody to to, to come into this industry and, and and kind of help grow the business and, and see where we can take it. And so obviously that conversation took, I mean, it wasn't just a, a week conversation. And then I was like, Hey, look, I'm gonna let all my license lapse and I'm going to jump over into this industry and see what we can do. Uh, Clay Birdwell, somebody that I look up to mentor, he's the one who started me in the business and I can't thank him enough. And, um, We started talking, yeah. So, I mean, it was probably a good six months before I truly made the decision like, hey, this is my next calling. Like this industry needs me. This is what I need to be doing. I need to be going out there and having conversations and creating these relationships with advisors and helping them have more conversations. And that made a perfect transition because again, whenever I got into this business, it was during that, that crazy time of COVID, right? And so what COVID did was show us that our health was fragile and that people could really get sick and miss work. You know, people think of disabilities as somebody being in a wheelchair. And so, but it really opened people's eyes and made them realize that, look, hey, this is, this is something, this is an important piece of the puzzle. And let's make sure that we have something in place that's going to make sure that we don't lose our house or we don't lose our current lifestyle because of some disability that's going to happen at some point within our working career. And so that's really the story of how I got involved into this industry. And then ever since Clay brought me on board, I mean, I've studied for a year. I uh, I was actually a member of NAFA organization before I even got licensed into this industry. And so, um, yeah, I mean, exactly happy to be here. Um, obviously passionate about this industry, um, loved love going out and helping advisors have more conversations. Because again, I say this all the time, right? There's one thing that every financial plan has in common, and that is money. And if that money stops tomorrow, what happens to that financial plan? So I focus my practice on helping financial advisors and their clients with the need of income protection. And so my job is is to get out and and bring on advisors and show them how to have more conversations along the lines of that protection phase uh, for the near future. So I could keep talking for, for hours, Mike and Chris. So I'm going to pause that there to see if I missed out anything or if there's anything that you wanted me to add.
1: No, that's a great introduction um, and, and appreciate that. The next question is a relatively simple. Being just a handful of years in the business um, and starting from scratch as a brand new person out, you know, working to get people to sell income protection. How do you go about it, either with social media, yourself, face-to-face? Where, where do you find your biggest successes at this point?
2: Great question, Mike. Well, you see, disability insurance planning is, I like to call it, I mean, it's very much like a Rubik's Cube, right? I always say the first time you see it, it's almost, you can't imagine making those colors line up again. However, once you do, it's your goal to solve that puzzle faster, using more efficient methods and fewer moves. That's my job as a DI specialist, right? So what I've done is I, I get out in the community, right? I'm, I'm, I'm involved with, with multiple business networks. So I'm on multiple boards, uh, just showing up at the end of the day, showing these advisors how to have these conversations. Because again, I mean, it's it's funny, Mike and Chris, whenever I first got into this business, you don't, there's no telling how many businesses that I walked into and financial advisor firms that told me that that I was the first person to ever walk into their office that specializes in disability insurance. And and, And some of these guys have been in the business for 27 years. And so that just obviously lit the fire even more. I was like, nobody's coming into these businesses and showing these people how. I mean, yeah, obviously once I got into the role, it was one of those things that education was missing in this industry. And I'm sure you guys can, can um, attest to that. But so again, it's really, I've really started focusing on going out there and, and getting these advisors and establishing those relationships with them and showing them how I can provide value to their current clientele. Right. Cause at the end of the day, if they're an advisor, they're setting up a meeting with a client and they, Say, hey, look! I'm going to bring on a specialist. All that does is add value to that conversation, and it gets that client thinking more and more about the importance of this protection. And so, that has been my my sole focus uh, for these first starts up for this first part of my career within this industry. is getting out and seeing how many people I can touch on a day to day basis, right? Showing them how I can help, how I can show up, how I can provide value. Um, And how, at the end of the day, we can increase the revenue that's coming in their pocket, right? I mean,
1: oh, absolutely. And and that being said, you know, because you've seen a lot of people, and you're out doing what you're supposed to be doing, at least in in the world of Chris Carlson and Mike Cognil, is when you meet with somebody, what first first question is is do they typically own it on themselves and? Second question is, what are the objections that you run into? Because I know there's millions, and Chris and I go back into the 80s. uh, You don't, and you can probably attest to this. People still talk about underwriting, and I think underwriting now is so streamlined and so simple. I mean, you and I can't change, and neither can Chris. We can't change health conditions. But I mean, when you're talking to a a fairly um, inexperienced producer, not in the industry, but in disability insurance, what do you find, what pushback do you get?
2: Well, for that question, Mike, it, I, I think it starts with confidence, and and I think it comes with. I mean, they, they didn't have that; they weren't provided with that education, and that's where that's how valuable of a resource that I am coming in to help them begin those conversations. Now, when I first meet a meet with a with a new broker or, or new potential, of course, I label them A, B, and C C brokers. Um, it's it's more of a, a an introduction, getting to know them. Right, I I I'd, I'd never go into that first meeting asking them about income protection i mean yes they know i'm the di guy in tennessee and that's i mean they know what i do but it's more about of how how we can develop the relationship because i'm looking for the future right i want to see if if we're going to be able to to work together and are they passionate about it and then yes i always every advisor i ask i ask them if they have it on themselves because again if it's it's hard to sell a product if you don't believe in it and you don't believe in it if you don't own it on yourself and so I always start that conversation that's usually within a second or third meeting. And that first meeting is just an intro. Let's get to know each other. Let's, 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 let's see if we're going to be a good fit for the future. And so typically with, with these new advisors, and I think, I, I don't know the the exact total that I got that I brought on last year, but it was roughly probably around 75 new advisors. Um, And it's, I mean, and it's just going out there. And, and, and again, it's at the end of the day, it's just providing value showing up, uh, Having that, and and I tell people I motivate, I educate, and then at the end of the day, if I do those things right, then I compensate that advisor for the protection that they're putting in place for their client.
1: And and I couldn't agree more. I mean, I agree with you 100%. I mean, those those are three great words that kind of um, encapsulate our business in, in, in a way. But what do you do to stay on top of producers? Because you know it's easy to get people, and we can all attest to this. It's easy to get people excited, right? And for for Mm -hmm. that thirty minutes, and you 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 exude enthusiasm, that's for sure. I mean, you're that guy. Um, But when you get back in your car, how do you what in what ways? Excuse me. Do you stay in touch with those brokers to remind them? If you have ten appointments a week and they're all under fifty five, are you talking to all ten? What, you know, with, from the broker's perspective, what are you doing to to stay in front of them and remind them that, because you can't be in front of somebody every day. And, you know, right. sometimes things fade to dark. Um, so what do you do to try and keep those producers, you know, on game, regardless of the successes they're having? Because sometimes, as you and I both know, you're going to get three apps from a broker and they're all the clients because that was the easy way out, right? Somebody didn't right. need it and it was too late. So that being said, how do you, how do you you use social media? What do you use to to remind them constantly that this this is you know the foundation of financial planning one one of the bottoms of the very financial planning triangle it's it's at, it's at the bottom it's the base it's it's the glue that keeps everything together.
2: Right. Uh, well, my another great question. Yeah. So I, I am actively on social media. Um, I'm currently on LinkedIn, Instagram. Don't do too much on Facebook. We'll Kind of leave that for for more personal and family and keeping up with friends um but yeah um how i keep involved and keep in contact and keep in front of them I uh, obviously through social media posts there's a, a couple advisory firms here in nashville that that i go to on a weekly basis and, and i'll work from there in the mornings just so that they have a specialist within their office that the advisors can come to uh there's a few that I even set up accountability calls with on a on a on a weekly basis to see, hey, let's let's look at your appointment setup for the week and let's see what conversations that we can come up with. Um I've started uh, putting together a newsletter. So I'm gonna be sending out uh, monthly newsletters to all my all my clients with and again with always some kind of story with a sales topic and usually like a call to action. Um I'm currently working um on some more social media products. Or projects, I should say, um, and those hopefully will be coming out here soon, sooner than later. So I'm I'm excited about those. And again, it's it's one of those trying to recreate the will, right? I mean, this industry has been in in, in place for for so long, and and obviously people see the value in and obviously protecting their income. We just have to do a better job of getting out there and educating these advisors on how to sell the product, and so. I saw a stat the other day. There's over 51 million working Americans in in the U.S. without disability coverage, and so that just lit another fire in me. and saying, "Hey, look, that's my job to get out here and try to touch all these 51 million Americans. I got a little bit of life left, uh, but to, and and at the end of the day, educate them. I mean, I, I don't want. I mean, obviously, if my job is to educate them and give them the knowledge to move forward, right? If I did that, my job is done. If they accept, they accept. If they don't, they don't. But at the end of the day, I know that I have at least educated them and given them the knowledge to move forward and to have this, this security and comfort and peace of mind in their back pocket if they ever need it in the future.
0: So, Kurt, you mentioned the newsletter. Is that an e-newsletter or a physical newsletter that you're putting in the mail?
2: Yeah, so it'll be an e-newsletter. Chris.
1: Kurt, switching gears quickly, uh, you, Chris and myself we you know we go to the industry meetings and we know for individual disabilities you know there's not one a quarter obviously but we go to the we, we go to the meetings and, and it's pretty much the world of disability insurance and um you know we had mac schmidt on last week and he made a really good point he goes you know there's probably a thousand really good producers in the united states maybe um i would agree with him there might even be less than that depending on what we call good but when we were at the meeting just last October, where we all had a wonderful time and got together and, you know, it's funny people spending three days talking about individual disability. But it seemed to be the guarantee issue um, was kind of, you know, all of us and people were talking about, you know, guarantee issue, guarantee issue. And my, my, my question to you is, and I'm not poo-pooing it in any by any stretch of the imagination, but I want to know what your thoughts are on guarantee issue, employer pay voluntary, whatever it may be versus, you know, underwriting a piece of business and, you know, getting that client taken care of for, you know, in, in in that way versus a guaranteed issue, you know, slap it up and see what happens.
2: Yeah, no, I, th- I think my guaranteed standard issue. I mean, I think it's a great product, right? One, it streamlines that underly- underwriting process. And that's, that's where the main hiccup is on these fully underwritten products is the underwriting. Right. I mean, some of these, obviously, depending on the APS, it, it could take up to four to six weeks, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter. And so, I, th- I think from those, I believe it was the Limeran numbers. Um, yeah, GSI is a is a is a head honcho in the space right now, if, if that's how we want to call it. Uh, and I think because of that, it, it's because of that. You know what? We can we can get somebody five thousand dollars of coverage if they have some kind of underlying medical issue. But my issue on that, though, Mike, is is that if if, if you are getting, let's say, somebody younger, maybe a twenty eight year old. Five thousand dollars of coverage. What, what's going to happen to them in the future if, if they want to increase that? Right, they'll have to go back through that fully underwritten product, and, and if they get some kind of illness, they don't have that. They don't have that option on, on the policy. Disability insurance is bought with agent health. So one of the most important features of a of IDI contract is that future insurability option. So that allows the the insured to increase in the future no matter what happens to their age, health, or income level. And so that's what I think sticks out to me the most on those kind of the, the the guaranteed standard issue in the individual contracts is that future insurability option that at the end of the day, I feel like is one of the most crucial parts of a DI contract. Because again, our job is, is to lock these policies in right at a young age. Because again, it, it is non cancelable guarantee renewal, meaning once we lock it in, nothing's going to happen to that premium for the life of the contract unless they decide to increase it in the future as their income grows. And so I haven't got into the, the GSI space a lot yet. Mike and Chris, I have started dabbling to more of the EB conversations. Uh, just because I want to, I mean, the first part of my practice, the first five years, I've just been solely focused on obviously bringing on new advisors and helping them have more conversations. Now that that funnel is is is, is growing, now I want to dabble in and, and explore this other side of of the industry and seeing what all the noise is and, and why it's becoming so popular and why it's and obviously outside of the the streamlined underwriting process for those executives that may have some health condition or some underlying condition. Um yeah, so just looking to to kind of explore that market and see how I can grow and, and obviously continue to help and 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 bring on that passion and, and motivation and, and help advisors, financial professionals, E B consultants, uh whatever, have more conversations around this 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 topic. Well,
1: I couldn't agree more. No matter how you get it done, um, it's greatly appreciated that you know, you're know you out there doing it because I agree with you 100%. And, and Chris and I have had this conversation. Chris, um, what company sells the most disability insurance? Unum. And then who?
0: Uh, Northwestern Mutual.
1: Yeah, and what does Northwestern Mutual do? Probably, as you and I said before, better than anybody in the industry. Training. Exactly, Kurt. And that's what you're out there doing. You're training on a completely different Note and a different question. The amount of time you've been in this business is is you know short relative to to Chris and I. You're selling the product today that um, Chris and I were selling in the 1980s. It's almost the exact same product. If you had a crystal ball, um, and everybody that's listened to my podcast knows I use that term a lot, but if you had a crystal (laughs) ball, what would you like to see from a carrier? an industry perspective of, of of what a product could look like in the future. Not not abandoning the one that we currently have or exists because it has worked um, for a very long time. But you know, 15 years ago, I'm pretty sure Chris and I were laughing at the idea of electric cars. Right, Chris? Don't you think that's fair?
0: Absolutely.
1: So you know, using that as an analogy, what what would you like to see? in the industry that's different and it doesn't have to be, you know, world changing just but from a product perspective, what would you like to see different? If you could, if you could ma- wave the magic wand today and what does Kurt think he could go out and say, you know, this is pretty cool. It's disability, but in whatever way you just tell me right now.
2: Mike, First off, before I get into that question, you mentioned crystal ball and, and I use that. I use that line almost every single day, right? You never know when the, Next time you go to the doctor, is going to be the last time you're insurable for the rest of your life. And so I, I just want to throw out a quick story right there real quick. Just so, I mean, so my wife at the age of I believe it was 19 or 20 going into her junior year in college or I think junior year, one of the years in college, um, started noticing like a lump on her throat. Right. Of course, at the time, she nor I didn't think much of it. Right. We're young and healthy, healthy. We we put on those Superman capes every day. We're in college. We're having the time of our lives. Right Until she went to the doctor and had all these tests and scans done, um, obviously got the results back. She was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Right, Thankfully, she's been kicking cancer's ass now for 15 plus years. But I can assure you when she went to that appointment, she was not expecting to hear those words that are going to follow her for the rest of her life. And so I say it, right? Disabilities happen every day. So it's our job as financial professionals to make sure we are educating our clients on the importance of protecting their most valuable asset, which is their ability to work and earn an income. And so I I just, I love that crystal ball story, Mike. And and obviously little did I know that her story is now impacting my career, right? At the end of the day, it's, it's, I mean, I share her story on a daily basis just because, I mean, come on, 19 years old going to the doctor and hearing those words. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of, gut wrenchy right and so uh just wanted i wanted to share that story because again that crystal ball is, is so huge because again at the end of the day disabilities happen to good people or bad things happen to good people right so it's our job to get out there and provide that education like chris just mentioned and help them have more conversations so with that being said how do i see the industry improving um man so been in the business for five years obviously have learned a lot um i see uh, obviously further digitalization and automation to streamline processes um and improving our experience uh additionally advancements in the underwriting techniques uh to better assess risk and tailor policies to obviously the individual needs um it's it's, kind of hopefully what i see in the future um as as for the short time that I've been in this industry now, I'm sure that that answer will probably change tomorrow. But again, I think it's, I mean, I think we're on the right track. Uh, I think this industry is doing a lot of good things to, to streamline these processes and, and make this sell much easier and not so much of a headache for these advisors that obviously looking to sell more DI. So from a technology
1: perspective, um, and I think, Chris, you and I would agree that, you know, AI is here to stay and, and nobody's going to dispute that. Um, I, I would hope probably the same as you could. You just said, you know, streamlining technology, that AI could become a very part, very large part of underwriting. Where you just mentioned a couple of weeks ago that attending physician stayed in four to six weeks, God only knows how long it can actually take. Sometimes it can be in 24 hours. So I'm not saying that those are it's the norm, but it, sometimes they drag. Um, would you agree that maybe AI could alleviate a ton of those problems between algorithms and AI? You got a bunch of information um, on a client, and if we could just get it done really quickly before, because you work really hard to sell this, as you well know. And, but don't mm-hmm. you, if you could, if you could, before it fades, the enthusiasm for writing a check fades. If you could get it done in 48 hours, don't you think that could
2: make a huge difference? Oh, absolutely i mean it's it's i mean this ai this ai is something crazy i, I think i saw a statistic the other day that it said something and you guys will probably laugh at this i think it, it was some crazy number i don't know what the exact number but it was a large number about the percentage of men that used ai to write their valentine's day cards. <laughs> did you see that
1: no but i would be one of them if i was smart
2: enough to remember <laughs> right and so uh but no, I definitely. I mean, it's, it's it's one of those things that we're waiting on, and, and still to this day, like APS, some of these 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 doctors' offices. I mean, six weeks to release an APS statement. I mean, come on. I mean, it. I know and it's amazing.
1: And, and Kurt, with that said, uh, one more thing. I'm still waiting for you to get down here to swing a golf club with me. Um, you don't live down. Yeah, we're far. gonna make that happen. And number two is uh, I'd like to thank you and turn this back over to Chris because I've kind of dominated these questions here. And I'm sure Chris has one or two before we're finished up here. So I'll I'll give it back to Chris and Kurt. You're awesome. Thanks.
2: Thanks, Mike.
0: Thanks, Mike. Kirk, um, you you talked about running into Clay Birdwell. One thing we did not give you the opportunity to do is tell us about Baker Birdwell, what you guys do well and how you help advisors.
2: Yeah, thanks, Chris. So, yeah, so Baker Birdwell – um as as the disability brokers that financial professionals count on to deliver disability insurance education products and services um we uh, we like to say we're the experts so you don't have to be right i mean i and i like i tell these advisors or like i tell my financial advisors that i'm working with right you, you're focused on creating this plan my job is to focus on this protection and make sure that we have this protection in place that's not going to screw up this plan in the future and I didn't hit on this earlier though Chris and Mike but oftentimes with a lot of these these newer producers that I'm bringing on I tell them that or I join them on calls for the first couple to help obviously them have the conversation and answer any questions that their 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 client may may have and so it, it really gives them that confidence and it really gives them that encouragement to have more conversations because at the end of the day, if they're able to bring on a specialist to their calls to answer any question that their client has, and it's not this back and forth, back and forth, it obviously helps that sell and it makes things run a lot smoother. And so, so yeah, we we pride ourselves on we are, our disability coverage is, or disability insurance is the only product that we, we specialize in. And we like to say sometimes that we're only smart enough to, to specialize in one. So we, we, try, we chose the right one to specialize in, which was obviously income protection and getting out there and having more conversations.
0: Well, th- thank you for that. And, and Mike, I, one of the things that I've been thinking about as I've listened to Kirk talk today is he kind of reminds me of an old school Provident life and accident rep. Does he not with his activity?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it throwback's kind of a, I don't know, it's not a derogatory term, but absolutely. Um, you know, Chuck Taylor's came back. So what the heck? I mean, you know, there's a million ways to do this business. Um, well, there's a handful of ways, but you know what, sometimes between, and I would agree, between four eyes um, is really a good way to do it because it's hard to convey enthusiasm over a Zoom call sometimes or, or a um or or a phone call. And, you know, Kurt, you, you can tell people, right, when, and I guess one more question, you can tell when somebody's listening to you, when you're face-to-face versus when they're on a Zoom and suddenly their head's down because they've decided to take a text.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah,
1: I would say you're exactly like uh, we were trained. And probably one of the reasons you've been trained that way is because uh, your mentor in the great city of nashville tennessee clay birdwell was one of those probably an accident arrest a really long time ago
2: <laughs> I, i've been i've been um referenced as a little birdie a, a time or two in my in, in my career so far
1: well you take that as a compliment my friend
2: oh absolutely absolutely
0: well kirk yeah uh, i know you're busy You're out there seeing producers we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to visit with us today
2: Guys, thank you again. It was an honor to be on this platform with you. And and again, this this industry is is something that I'm 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 wanting to grow and looking to grow. And so if if I can be a resource to anybody, I mean, please don't hesitate, reach out. I know there's 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 plenty of specialists around the country, but like I said, if 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 we can help with anything and have more conversations, please don't hesitate to reach out.
0: And then Kurt, give us your email address real quick.
2: Yeah, so email address is Kurt K-U-R-T at bakerbirdwell.com. And then if you're on any of the social media channels, it's Kurt Broadmeyer. I promise you, if you type in Kurt and start typing in the last name, Brodmeier is going to pop up eventually and you'll, you'll find me.
0: <laughs> you're the man, Kurt. Thanks for your time.
2: Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Mike.